Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And luckily, I didn't hit record until after Chase Anderson gave up a two-run homer to Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have earned that explicit rating. Matt got to hear it, but thankfully, That's I was right able again. to keep the rest of it to myself. Yes, yes. Uh, so we've got a new national champion in college basketball, men's college basketball and women's. Let's uh, talk about the men's because my only comment about the women's is UConn didn't win. Crazy. I know, and and uh, yeah, what a what a weekend for the for the girl from Notre Dame. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce her name. Oh, Gumba uh, Wale. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, sure, um, but pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that game winning shots, both the Final Four and the title game. That's as good as it gets, I guess. In the men's side, you've got. Villanova winning their second in three years. The conversation is turning now to will Jay Wright coach any open job in the NBA? The Bucks yeah. have talked about it on Bucks Radio. I heard or I saw on Twitter some of the Phoenix people talking about is he a fit for yes, the Suns? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand why he would. Um I don't know. sometimes I wonder where stories come from and maybe there's something there. That you know his his representatives, people around him have have floated it out there, but um, he's never been an NBA coach. Um, he's got a good thing there. Why would you leave? Like, am I am I missing something? Only that you know you've climbed the mountain twice. Do you want to strike while the iron is hot? You can probably get a huge deal. There's going to be potentially yeah. as many as, you know, nine or ten coaching jobs yeah, open in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, first of all, and and I may eat these words, we'll see, but I think it's just laughable to think that he would leave for the Phoenix Suns. Um, I mean, why? That just makes no sense. Because as you point out, there's going to be other open jobs probably with better situations than the Suns. And you can add the number one pick in the draft, they get it, and they're still going to be jobs with better situations than the Suns. So I just think that is uh, outlandish to even think is even possible. But, you know, if I have to eat the words, I will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I guess I guess um, sometimes I just don't – I don't quite get it, like, why, why he would want to. I mean, unless it's just about – you know, striking for the big money deal, I guess. Um, but man, you've, you've got a good thing going there. You've built a heck of a program. It took a while. You know, I mean, you look back, he, his first few years there were struggles. That's that's a, something that people should pay attention to when we talk about, you know, firing a coach and this guy stinks and he's never going to get it done. Um, you know, it took a while, but boy, he's got a good thing going there now and I wouldn't leave. The other lesson, which I think goes to your point about the Suns, is a story that's not often repeated anymore is how close Steve Kerr came to being the coach of the Knicks. And, right. and there's something to be said about picking your spot, you know? Yes, there is. Take yeah. the right job. Yeah. Take the best yeah. fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I know the comparisons, you know, with this story. I heard it today, you know. Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan. Well, Brad Stevens went to the Boston Celtics. Pretty good organization. You know, team that had uh, a good amount of young talent when he took it over. Team that had assets going forward. Team that had just just recently, you know, been a championship contender. Yeah, they had kind of torn away that core. But nonetheless, they had proven 
pretty recently that they had, you know, they won a title in 08. They got to the finals in 2010, you know, been in the conference finals a couple other times. So well, and they, same yeah. front office, same ownership group. Right, right. You know. they, they knew how to win, and he was going to a pretty good place. Um, you know, Billy Donovan, you know, yeah, Durant left, but he took over a team that had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. That's not bad. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, Durant surprised everybody by leaving, but he still has Russell Westbrook, who was the MVP last year, probably one of the top five players in the NBA, I think, you know, fair to say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm him, if I'm considering going, I'm going to go for the right place. Now, uh, you know, and, and no pun intended on that. Um, uh, as I, you know, make a Jim Nance like name joke there. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the, for the correct fit. I know I've heard, you know, people say, you know, well, I could stay in Philadelphia. Why would Philadelphia make a change? I mean, they've, they've had a really good year. That guy's done a heck of a job. Like, I, I mean, Am I missing something there? They, they, they're the fourth seed in the East. Why would they fire their coach? Yeah, the process is working. Yeah, that <laughs> guy's know. done a really good job and and gotten a lot out of this team um, and you know kept them afloat through some really really rough times. Obviously, the past couple years, um, and and now he's you know seeing it through. And I mean, you could make a case for him as coach of the year. So why would they why would they push him aside for a guy who's never coached an NBA game in his life? That makes no sense to me. No. Now, if you told me that he could be coaching in Brooklyn, okay. That, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, you know, Milwaukee's an interesting fit because they have some good young pieces with, with Giannis, with Jabari Parker, who, you know, has, has apparently, you know, played well this year since coming back. Uh, you know, Middleton's a good player. I mean, they've, they've got a an intriguing group of talent. They're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, that's, that's a spot that might make some sense. Um, but, uh, you know, is there a better spot? Potentially. I don't know. I mean, you know, there might be some surprises. Uh, you know, maybe some of the teams in the West, you know, does, does New Orleans move on from Alvin Gentry if they miss the playoffs? Maybe. That'd be a pretty good spot to go with Anthony Davis. Potentially uh, Boogie Cousins coming back. Right, right. You know, so, I, you know, that's just one to throw out there. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but I know there's some unrest with Thibodeau in Minnesota already. He seems to uh, uh, have, you know, maybe worn out his welcome with, with some of the players there. Um, you know, that'd be obviously a very good situation with some talent. Carl Anthony Towns, probably one of the, you know, best young players in the game. Um, Wiggins has been a bit of a disappointment this year, but a lot of talent still. Uh, so I don't know. You know, those are just two that come to mind. Um, you know, Milwaukee does make a lot of sense. They've got an opening, obviously, already and, and talent. So if I'm him, I'm going to a place where I can feel confident that I can win soon and I can continue to win. And I've got a good front office. Is that, I mean, you pointed that out about Brad Stevens. It makes a big difference. Do you have a front office that you're going to be hand-in-hand hand with for a while? Or are you going to a team with a flighty owner who might decide after a year and a half, I've seen enough, this guy's out. Well, and that is the Bucks. That's the downside right. of the Bucks. It is. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The other thing is the, the guy who you mentioned, Billy Donovan, won two titles. And it's not like he won, he won them back to back, but then he stayed for almost stayed a for decade. A while. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing with Jay Wright. Like, the opportunity is still going to be there. If he doesn't go this year, I mean, there's, there's, there will maybe, maybe not for the same amount of money, but there's no need to rush. Like if the, if the right spot's not there for you, if you're not interested this year, 
you've got a pretty good team. I mean, one thing I looked at them a couple nights ago, you know, before the title game, I think it was the you know, Sunday night between, and I was kind of going through their rosters. And the thing I noticed about them that was so remarkable was the year to year carryover. And we, we've talked about it in relation to ASU. They, they seem to have two or three big time guys that come back every year. They never, they never have a total reset. Uh, and, and it's, it's really remarkable what they've been able to do that they, you know, they've built this really top notch program without one and dones, without a whole bunch of five stars that are ready to leave right away or a pack of guys that come in together. They just, they just supplement with good players every year. And, and it's, it's, it's impressive. I mean, in today's college basketball game, it's a formula that works very well. Would it have worked 25 years ago? Probably not, um, because you know teams had more talent than and experience. But it sure works well now. Yeah, if you are, it's the anti Calipari on some level. He's getting guys yeah. who are not looking to be one and done. They are not yeah. looking to immediately go pro, and it works because then you get to build and sustain. You know the you know Duke successfully navigated the shift from being that program to a one and done yeah. program. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a bumpy ride for a lot of schools. It is. I mean, it's it's just interesting because you know you talk about Duke and Kentucky; they're probably the the, the faces of the one and done. You know, and it, and you do notice that like you go through their rosters every year, and, and it's like you know, oh yeah, that was the year that Carl Towns was there, or that was the year Brandon Ingram was there, and there's just one year. You know, and the teams change every year. Duke next year will look a lot different than Duke this year. I'd be really good again, but there won't be a lot of carryover. Same for Kentucky. Now they may have some. They didn't. They weren't as loaded with, um, you know, star freshmen this year. They may have some carryover, but it's uncharacteristic for them. You know, so it's it was remarkable to me as I looked at that to see like you know you go back through and it's like oh yeah that guy he was there for four years. Um, now that guy was there for three years and then he went to the, you know, like they, they do it in a different way. And, and that's kind of become college basketball nowadays. There's, there's two unique ways of doing it. There's go after the stars who are there and gone. And that works sometimes. Uh, and then there's ways like Villanova, Virginia, who don't go after those guys, but they, they get four year guys, they coach them up, they get better every year. And every year they're at or near the top of the rankings when the season is done. I mean, if you could build a recruiting class where you guarantee yourself two or three guys in that next tier below one and done, yeah, that that's a good way to recruit. I mean, yeah. on some yeah. level, that might be what Hurley's doing. Not, I'm sure not intentionally. I'm sure if Cherry sure. or Dort becomes a one and done, that's you know. But right. from what I've gathered, Dort's not expected to be a one and done, no. and Cherry. Cherry might be one of those guys who personality, temperament makes him yeah. a one and done. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, watching them and, and you know, uh, being an ASU fan, and I've done this before. I felt, you know, West Virginia a few years ago, we'd still talk about that, that I, I fell in love with the way they played. That team last night reminded me a bit of, of the West Virginia team with Bob Huggins when he first got there. Interchangeable parts. They had a point guard. And then they basically played four other guys who, who could guard anybody, who could shoot threes. Some can score inside. Some could beat you up the dribble. But defensively, very flexible. You know, didn't, didn't play a true center. They could switch everything. Anybody could guard anybody. Anybody could shoot. 
I mean, they always had, you know, four guys, at least sometimes five who could shoot from the three. Um, and it, it's a style that I looked at that and I thought, boy, why, why can't we do that now? I mean, they're doing it really well. And again, it took a long time. It's not an overnight fix, but I looked at that and thought that's, that's an attainable style of play. We're not, we're not watching Kentucky of 2015 when they went 38, no, and saying, well, yeah, we're never going to be there. That, that's not an attainable style of play for us. But the way Villanova does it is something that I think you should model after. Absolutely. The... For a program like us, again, you know, I mean, we're not, we're not that upper echelon, but they weren't either, and now they are. The other thing that I think was impressive about them, and it goes to the interchangeable parts and not being inflexible, is that Brunson dominates in a couple games and then mm-hmm. has a horrible game, has to sit on the bench with foul trouble, and they're rolling in the national yeah, title game. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he went out with four fouls and, you know, 11 minutes to go or whatever it was, and they were up by maybe 12, 14. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was a big lead, but it wasn't, you know, 30. And I even thought, you know, well, this would be interesting. You know, can they weather this storm? Does Michigan make a run? Do they have to put him back in with, you know, eight minutes to go and risk a fifth foul? Didn't happen. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's the ultimate testament of a really good team is, you know, the player of the year is on the bench for eight minutes in the second half. Then it didn't matter. They just, you know, other guys stepped up. Other guys made shots, got rebounds, played defense, and and uh, you know by the time he got back in, the game was over basically. Just like uh, you called it, and Pat Richardson called it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will take my silver medal gladly. Uh, congrats to to Pat on winning the whole thing. Um, but you know, after my national runner-up was beat on the first you know first round, second night of the tournament, I'll gladly take second place. Yeah, I finished smack in the middle with a sixth-place finish, and I, I guess considering I didn't score any points in the Final Four or national title game, I can't really complain about how it yeah, turned out. Yeah, well, you were leading after the Elite Eight, weren't you? Yeah, I just yeah. it was impossible for me to score more points. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if, uh, if Villanova had lost, would you have won? I mean, if they had lost in the Final Four? Yeah, if Villanova had been yeah. eliminated, I would have had it, but... Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was a weird year. A lot of a lot of teams, you know, that were picked to go deep lost early. Um, you know, first weekend, and and I guess that's why I could finish second, even though my my you know championship game loser went out in round one because I wasn't the I wasn't alone. Um, you know, Arizona went out, Michigan State went out. Uh, you know, uh, there were some other you know, Cincinnati. I don't know if anybody picked Cincinnati, Virginia, obviously. Yeah, you know, Xavier. Uh, so there were there were a lot of. Uh, Highly seeded teams that got to beat early, I guess, made it fairly, fairly even. But yeah, Villanova was the one pick that I had that worked out well, so I will, I will take it. I feel good about beating Greg Powell. We've given Greg Powell this, this, you know, feeling that he can beat us at anything. I beat Greg Powell. I think you did too, if I'm not mistaken. It's just, it's even if it's just one of us, someone had to beat him. He couldn't yeah. win again. Yeah, we took down the dynasty that is Greg Powell, and I'm pretty sure you did too. If I if I looked right, I didn't look at the final standings, but uh, he was leading for a while, but he faded, faded yeah. late. Yeah. So next time we do this will be the College Bowl pick'em. So Pat, enjoy your title reign. Uh, my guess is you will just vacate the title because you don't do the bowl pick'em. 
and, and, and yes, by the way, I am confirming now that you did beat Greg Powell. Well, there we go. So by seventy uh, points. So it was a it was a solid beating. I mean, look, he, he, his wife is pregnant. They're expecting their third kid. Still, no excuse. He when should I have. He that, should I have done excuses. Yeah, yeah, he should have yeah, done better. And I, and I and I don't believe in excuses. I believe in championships. Yeah, fair enough. He he should yeah. have done better. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's all about what you've done in your last game. I don't want to hear about past championships. I want to hear about what you did recently. Now, when we talk about next season, ASU basketball. Yeah. We've gone through, we've talked about how the rotation is eight or nine deep already, you expect. Although, as an aside, Zylan Cheatham's doing a lot of Twitter talking, and I'm not sure I like it. It's all motivational in the Herm Edwards style. Okay. But I'm not sure I love it. Um, okay. <laughs> I was not, not aware of this. In the sense that, like, you think he's going to leave? It, or? Just in the sense that I think that it could be alienating if he's not very ingratiated into the team because I there's see. a lot of okay. the the off seasons a time to be selfish and work on on your game ah, and i see i know, see okay stuff like yeah, that you like, never know these guys and their social media accounts which you know quick aside did you see that divincenzo is now in you know hot water because of his twitter account that had slang verbs for gays and uh, you know even though he hasn't posted on it since high school apparently uh, I did not hear that. But. Yeah, I read that on ESPN.com, or on the bottom line, I should say, you know, that it's, his account was deleted because they discovered it had racially charged tweets and derogatory terms for gays. And But it, he hadn't tweeted since June of 2016, and most everything's moving when in high school. I'm like, man, this is, this is the thing nowadays, man. I'm not saying it's right, but like, God, he was a high school kid. We're going to hold – I mean, imagine if imagine if we were held accountable for all the things we said and did in high school. Well, imagine if Twitter uh, existed or, know, you know, or yeah, really Facebook I mean, too. Now, granted, and, and you we and were, I were not the normal, but – No, we were. But, but I would have been – probably – I would have quoted a lot of I'm movies glad. that I'm – you know, I, on yeah. Facebook, I still am going – through and seeing stuff like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I, I know, have, I know. know. I mean, there I'm are a, things I did in high school that I would not want people to know now. And, and, and I don't, you know, yeah, I mean, you and I didn't live real checkered lifestyles in high school like some people did, but still, you're a dumb kid. There's a reason that the expression you're a dumb kid exists because we're all dumb kids at times. And yeah, I mean, I'm like, God, I kind of feel bad for the kid. Like, geez. Well, and the other and, thing is, he's not running for president. He, no, he he's had not. a good basketball tournament. Right. You know, you know I mean, just the, the world today with the way they, they, you know, this happens all the time now. Like, well, you said this 10 years ago. Well, yeah, oh, God. I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I am I am delighted and pleased that, you know, we didn't grow up in the social media world when, when everything was on Facebook and Twitter in high school. I'm, we missed that, and that's okay with me. I wouldn't I wouldn't want everybody to know my inner thoughts when I was 14. <laughs> I don't want them to know your inner thoughts now. I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And there's a reason I don't post on Twitter for just that. But, you know, when you're 14, you're not smart enough to realize uh, this stuff stays out there forever. And, and then go back and look at it. So. Anyway, back to your point. On yes, Bobby Hurley, all these things have happened. I assumed, and I've said it, and I think you've at least entertained the same idea, that the leftover scholarship spot, the one vacated by Bragg, was going to probably go to a grad transfer or, or even yeah. better, a regular transfer. Right. So, yeah. 
But news broke that the final decommit from Arizona, Brandon Williams, is coming. Yeah, for a visit at least. And he's also got Arizona on his list. Apparently Kentucky's getting involved now. Yeah. Gonzaga's involved, which he does not strike me as a Gonzaga player. But that, you know. (laughs) No, maybe not, yeah. You know. Anyway, I... It's interesting to me because they've never had a class as good as the one coming in right now without him. If they can get him, that's four four star or better recruits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, might as well might as well shoot for it. I mean, it, it, it sort of has the feel of like you know, take take your best shot, and if it doesn't work, you're okay with it. You like the class you assembled already, um, but you know, man, if you can add another really good player. You can never have enough really good players, you know. I mean, like that's that's not a that's a problem that some programs have. It's never been a problem for ASU. Uh, I'd like to get to that point where it's like, man, how do we get enough playing time for all this talent? Um, we've never faced that in the history of this program. Certainly not since we've been here and, and following it. So uh, yeah, you know, the, the more you can add, the better. Yeah, I, it's just a stunning turn of events. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, and, and certainly, I mean, I read his comments. I think, I don't know, I don't know where the quote was from, but I read a quote from him yesterday on Twitter, you know, um, basically talking about how he, you know, really is intrigued by here because, you know, Hurley lets his guards play and they get a lot of freedom. And, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's the remnants of the hot start that we had this year and the guard you and all that stuff. And, yeah, things kind of soured as the year went along. We didn't finish the way we hoped. And, you know, the end was kind of disappointing. But it's that kind of stuff that, you know, we hoped at the time would, would lead to good things the rest of this year and beyond. And, and the and beyond is still very much possible. Well, the other thing is, we have Bobby Hurley, and that matters. Right. It matters more than I thought it would, honestly, because his it playing does. career yeah. stopped before a lot of these kids were cognizant of basketball. Yeah, I, I agree. I wondered, you know, I mean, it was it was a coup for, for me when we got him um, because, you know, I always liked Duke, and and he was, a, you know, up-and-coming coaching star at the time. And, and But, yeah, I did wonder, like, how much does that matter? I mean, this guy has, hasn't been – you know, his NBA career ended in the mid-90s. It was short-lived because of his, you know, injury and all that. Um, how much does it matter? But it, it does matter. I mean, he's, he's a name that still resonates, probably benefits from the fact that Duke is still so good. You know, his hiring came along the time of the Christian Leitner documentary, which put him back in the news. Um, and, and then he had success at Buffalo. And, you know, so all that stuff, you know, it lined up well for him. That he kind of took a you know twenty year sabbatical at the public eye, came back and he's still a big name. Yeah, well the the fact that Duke will never go away, right? And, right. And I mean, like that, that Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner yeah. Duke team. That ninety one and you know ninety two. Obviously, they went back to back. That ninety one Duke team is still an iconic team for the for the win over UNLV. Um, and, and really the start, I mean, even though they had been to the final four two or three times, you know, prior to that, but that was the start of the dynasty. I mean, they won the, they won those two titles and, you know, 30, you know, almost 30 years later, they're still really good and they still have great players and they still have the same head coach. And, 
Um, you know, they've not really had any slippage. You know, they, they've missed the tournament, I think, once in that entire span, and that was the year Krzyzewski missed most of the season, with the you know, back surgery in the mid-90s. Um, you know, the so jersey it's, looks it's, the same. The arena's exactly. the same. Cameron Indoor, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they are they are one of the blue bloods, truly, of college basketball. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, the fact that he is such a part of kind of the beginning of that, Hurley and Leitner, and Grant Hill, you're right. I mean, those are the three names that are kind of like the the triumvirate of you know the start of Duke basketball. And like I said, a, a bit a bit not true because they had some really good teams prior to them. But that was the team that first broke through, and they beat the unbeatable UNLV team. They won the title. They won the next year over the Fab Five. Uh, it's it's a you know it's a legendary team, and and he's still a legend in college basketball because of it. They really wound up in two thirty for thirties because they were the billions of the Fab Five one. They did. You're right, and that doesn't hurt too. I mean, you know, it, it is interesting because really, Hurley, you know, for for a good fifteen years from the time he left the NBA to you know twenty twelve twenty thirteen, how much you know Bobby Hurley wasn't a name people thought of. You know, you looked back, you watched old you know highlights, and oh yeah, Bobby Hurley. But yeah, his his return to coaching came along the time of yeah two of those documentaries that got a lot of attention and a lot of notice and a lot of young kids probably watched and watched those and and learned about that team when they maybe didn't know anything about them prior yeah no i think that's a hundred percent right and which as an aside i mean god how great did college basketball used to be i know i sound like an old man but i i mean it was a fun tournament villanova's a really good team but wow you look back at like those teams in the early '90s, late '80s, God, that was that was a golden age of college basketball. Yeah, that's that's I, you know doesn't have anything to do with the point here, but it, it resonates with me. I mean, making unrelated tangential points is kind of what we do. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, but but uh, yeah, I mean, looking back at that Duke team and the talent they had, and you just don't see that anymore because guys don't stay. I mean, you know, nowadays Bobby Hurley wouldn't stay four years in college. He'd be gone after a year or two. Christian Leitner certainly would not stay four years in college. You know, Grant Hill, no chance. Grant Hill would be a one and done. Uh, you know, so you, those those teams that you look back, it's like, you know, how, how different it was back then in the 80s with, you know, Ewing at Georgetown and Olajuwon and Drexler at Houston. And, I mean, it's it's crazy, the, the talent and the good teams that existed back for that maybe 10, 15-year run. Yeah, no, it's absolutely nuts how good college basketball is. Yeah. I mean, even through our college experience, it yeah. was still yeah. pretty good. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it slowly eroded from the mid-90s. I mean, to me, the turning point was Kevin Garnett. I remember when Kevin Garnett, you know, made the decision to go from high school, and I was, you know, we were about nine or ten years old at the time. And it was greeted with like, what is he doing? Oh my God, what a dumb decision. How is this guy going to go from high school? And it worked. And then Kobe went the next year and, and you know, it, it was a slow trip at first. And then, then the faucet was turned on and there's no turning off the faucet. And now guys know they don't need to be in college for three or four years to go to the NBA. And there's no going back. I mean, it is, it, this is what it is now. Uh, there's no changing it back to the way it used to be. But it, it, uh, that was when it started for me, when, when the idea came that I don't need college basketball for four years or even three or even two or even one. 
at that time to make myself a top draft prospect. Yeah. There is other sports news that I want to get to, but, but there's something we didn't talk about in our extensive rundown before the recording. Yeah. But, okay. but I think you'll be prepared to comment on it. This LeBron v. Nick Saban battle. <laughs> <laughs> I know a little bit about it. Very, very brief. I read one story about it, but yes. I know basically zero. Okay. I just, here's what I want to know. Is there any way that you could be more anti-Nick Saban than in a battle <laughs> with LeBron James? Uh, if it, Tiger Woods. Or Tim Duncan. Peyton Manning. Or Tim Duncan. Yeah. Those are probably the three names. Yeah. I, I saw that and I thought, this is perfect. This is <laughs> this is yeah. a this is better than professional wrestling casting for you. This is an obvious heel, yeah. an obvious yeah, face. You're right. You're right. And Sometimes kind of a, a dumb just, thing to fight over. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah, it really is. Uh yeah. Like I said, I read one story and uh, it was on, I think, College Football Talk, the you know the the spinoff version of Pro Football Talk, and uh, you know I read the story and I even thought, okay, where's the substance to this? Um, but yeah, it was amusing, and and you're right, yeah. I mean, if if having to choose sides, I'll line up with LeBron in that ten times out of ten. Yeah, I know. We all know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the only the you're, you know those are those are probably the names. Yeah, if he was embroiled in a in a battle with Tiger Woods, I would probably be even more fierce. Uh, well, I wouldn't be having a conversation where you said, I've only read one story. If this was about Tiger no, Woods, you true. would be the authority on what... <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah, you're, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, if, if, I was just going to say, it's, if it was anyone in your in your top three or, or your dad, that would that's be right. the... That's right, yes, <laughs> yes. My, my holy trinity of sports figures. Peyton, Tim Duncan, Tiger Woods. Is there someone on the flip side, Tom Brady? If it was Tom Brady, would that do more? Or is Nick Saban just about as high as you get on the negative uh, side? No, uh, probably Brady is more hated than Saban for me. Um, uh, you know, going back into the well, Lute Olson. Lute Olson is probably the most hated sports figure I've ever had. Uh, now he's, you know, he's not he's not active anymore. So I, you know, I guess the hate kind of. It's not active hate, but it's still there. Um, but yeah, probably Brady, and that might be it as far as current people in sports. Belichick or Saban? I think. Who do I dislike more? Yeah, I think that's a that's a tight one. Too. It's a tight one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, probably Saban, because I think my hatred for the Patriots is more directed toward Brady. Uh, you know, they're both like Saban is the consistent force at Alabama. Um, the players change, you know, with, with Brady and Belichick, they're both there. And I've hated Brady more than, I mean, I don't like Belichick by any means. Don't get me wrong, but I think probably, uh, you know, I, I direct my venom more towards Brady. That's fair. See, I knew we didn't practice it. We didn't talk about it. <laughs> And I well, knew. if you're asking me to rank, you know, who I like the most, who I dislike the most, I'm always prepared for that. Yeah, that's that's classic, you know, sports talk conversation. You you stay ready for that conversation. You don't have to get ready. Do you have a random person who sticks out as somebody like? There's no reason for it in the real world, but for you, there's a perfectly good reason for not liking somebody. Because I'll give you mine. 
I'm going to give you time to think about it. Mine is Major League Baseball relief pitcher Dan Plesak, who (laughs) is a good closer. He actually was the Brewers closer for a number of years and for a time I think still does lead the team in total saves. Um, But when I was a kid, I watched a Brewer game that was on rarely in Tucson against the White Sox. And Dan Plesak blew the save. And from that point on, when I was like four years old, I just hated Dan Plesak. I thought he was terrible. (laughs) I had, I, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm sure I can, I'm sure I do, um, have, you know, there's probably, you know, certainly some guys who played for Arizona. Uh, you know, there's certain names that stand out in my mind, Arizona basketball players more than anything. Salim Stoudemire. I could have uh, called that as the first one that comes to mind. Um, uh, you know, Miles Simon hated Miles Simon. Um, uh, you know, those those probably are the ones that come to mind. Um, you know, for Steve our listenership, Nash for our listenership, Nash. while you yeah. while we're going through this list, if you're in Tucson and you go to Baja Cafe on Campbell, when you walk in, <laughs> yes. immediately to your left on the wall, even with the door, is a picture. Immediately following Salim Stoudemire's travel at Wells Fargo yeah. Arena that was uncalled and before he hit what became a game-winning shot. And if yeah. you look very closely, just slightly to the left of the basket, that's where Matt and I are standing. We're in yep, the front row. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was a heart-wrencher. Yeah, yeah. The maddest I have ever seen you after a uh, game. Not during a game, but after a game. You think so? Was I more mad then than after Super Bowl Thirty Nine? I think so because, like, because uh, we had the whole walk back, and that that's true. you know, that's true. I, I, for that one, I just remember being—I remember being like crushed by that. Like, there's there's certain sports events I remember being mad about. Super Bowl Thirty Nine is one, you know, the, the Eagles lost to the Patriots, um, but there's ones that just crushed me, and that one crushed me. Like that was one that like it hung with me for days. You know, a couple of days later, I was still upset about it. And and usually that's, you know, usually sports, you get mad and then you're kind of like, okay, you know, life goes on. But there's a certain few that it's hard to move past. And that one was really hard to move past. Yeah. Very frustrating experience. Because we built, I built up that game so much. I mean, it was our freshman year. We camped out outside to get in. We got great seats. Um we we were in position to win. I mean that that's the thing. If we had been beaten by fifteen points, it would have been a different story. But we had a chance to win the game and to lose the way we did with oh gut punch. I mean that that and that and the twenty thirteen NBA finals are probably the two that stick out the most to me as far as just like, oh my God, man, how how do I get over this? Yeah. Yeah. And I I got to see you for for the one and Yes. It was uh, twenty thirteen game six of the twenty thirteen NBA Finals was a, a low point. If I was a drinker, which I'm not, I would have been just hammered that night because I was I was at the depths of my depression. Yeah, I believe I, that. I, I thought the window had closed. I mean, and, and again, for both of these, fortunately, they had happy endings because the Spurs got redemption the next year, and we, and we did got get James to see Harden beat U of A. <laughs> we did. We took three years, but both of them. Ended, you know, with positive, but yeah, boy, oh, crushing. Absolutely just like, could not believe it. Yeah. 
I don't. I'll, I'll think about that. I'll think about random names. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to give that some thought. Maybe next time we talk, I'll have a, a list for you. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure I have more. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely others that, if I think about per sport, I'm sure I can think of some football players, some baseball players, some basketball players. You know, but come come to my. I mean, my first thing is Arizona basketball. I just, you know, better than probably anybody. The depth oh, of my hatred you know for Arizona what? basketball. Add Kevin Parham to my list. Kevin Parham, yeah, yeah. Forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the more recent ones. And for me, I, I probably feel the venom more toward the guys who played from you know our college years than on back. Because since I've lived up here, and especially since I didn't work at ASU anymore, so starting about 2010, 11, I haven't followed Arizona as close. You know, I just, I mean, I, I watch them when they play us. But I don't watch them nearly as much as I used to. I don't read about them. So I don't get exposed to them. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Perron was kind of at the tail end of that tenure, I guess. I forgot about him. Yeah, I did not care for him. No, no, I didn't either. Yeah, I mean, uh, or that guy, I'm sure uh, there's others. That guy on Washington, Jensen, the, oh, yeah, yeah, did right. not like Jensen. him either. Yep, 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 that's right, that's right, yeah, well, and... You know, I mean, yeah, there's guys, I mean, one one from this year, and I, I texted you about him after their play-in game, was uh, Aaron Holiday. Didn't watch a lot of UCLA basketball, but I watched that game, and I watched the game they played here against us. And I just took a dislike to him. I just, I did, I mean, you know, his brothers are in the NBA, never had a problem with them. And I'm not saying I'll continue to dislike him, but I really did not like him in the games I watched. Yeah. And that's, so, yeah, when, that's, you know, that's when you know your fandom is good because you exactly. just a random yeah. thing will just bother <laughs> you once. And it's yes. it's like the formation yes. of the Grand Canyon. It wasn't that's the right. first time something happened, but it's the repetitive motion <laughs> of this right. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but I think, yeah, if we're, if we're ranking like most hated ever, it's, it's Lute Olsen, it's Tom Brady. It's Steve Nash. Steve Nash deserves a place in that list. I just just despise Steve Nash. Still do. Um, that's probably the list. I mean, there's others that are close, but I, I don't know that anybody gets by that list. Do you have anyone on your begrudging respect list who you liked? Like for me, that was always Randy Moss. He wasn't on my team. He was on the rival. Uh, I got you. But I, I just got you. sure. You know, sure. I, I understand. Yeah, like. Um, I'm trying to think. That's, I mean, I mean, now you could say that in some ways about those three names I just mentioned. Certainly Brady. I mean, I can't stand Brady, but certainly I respect him and know he's great. Um, but you're talking more like, you know, maybe he wasn't on my favorite team and I, you know, but I, I rooted for him anyway. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. Like, or even it was to the detriment of your. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like maybe for you, and I don't know, but maybe for you it was Shaq. When Shaq was on the Lakers. Yeah, and, and that Shaq was, was good. I mean, it was more Shaq than Kobe. I hated Kobe. I never really hated Shaq. Um, you know, I always kind of liked Shaq. So, yeah, to an, I mean, Shaq would be a name that, uh, before you even said that, I was going to say, well, to an extent, Shaq. Um, you know, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably in the NBA, it'd be Shaq. There's probably not a football player for me because I don't really have one football team I root for. Uh, you know, we we come at it differently on that. So I, you know, I don't I don't necessarily have that as much. Um, well, and and obviously Ortiz Jenkins is not going to be on your list. No, so. no, he's not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's. I will say this. Um, there's programs. 
USC football. I wouldn't say that's a, you know, a um, team, you know, like I'm not a USC football fan, but I have tremendous respect for USC football and I want them to do well, even if sometimes it means it's at the expense of ASU. And you I like probably, seeing them. I do. Yeah, I would probably put that in that category like Randy. Like, I love ASU. You know, like that's that's my team. That's my school. Uh, but yeah, USC football is, is majestic. There's something about them that resonates with me you know and and so yeah that probably is kind of your randy moss-esque comparison i got you know i love playing them but if they come in here and win and they look great there's something that's like well okay it's cool to see usc look great mm-hmm. 2005 for example is the one you know the game day game like crushing that we lost but at the same time i look back on that and think man what a team oh my god i mean the talent that team had and the fact that we were there for it and got to see that team in, in their in their heyday was, you know, not something to be taken lightly. Yeah. Well, when you watch a team that can just turn it on and yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Now I was going to say, you know, as as we come full circle, when you said who's a, you know someone you just hate randomly, I thought you were going to say Matt Liner. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I, I do. Yeah. I do. I have a- when you when you started that before you got to Dan Plesac, I was going to say oh, I think I know the answer. It's Matt Liner. No, I mean, I, I guess I went with Plesak because it's baseball season. Yeah, Matt Leiner was one. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I have yeah, no I've never real, really understood why either. I, I have no real basis for it other than kind of like you with Aaron Holiday. I just didn't like him. Like, I just, <laughs> Hey, it's fine. I, I get it. I mean, that's sports. It, it gives us that ability to just dislike someone without really being able to explain it. Yeah, and look, he might be a really nice guy. Sure. I just didn't, you know. It's possible. Yeah. The way he played football offended me, and I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> I got you. I feel like Sam Darnold has that potential for me too. Really? Uh, see, I'm 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 in on Sam Darnold, so we're gonna we're gonna clash on that if if that ends up happening. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I don't know if he's gonna be a good player or not. I just. I'm just. I don't know. I might not like. Him. I like Sam Darnold. I, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, there's there's a Darnold jersey purchase coming in my future. And next week we'll find out whether you think he should be the first overall That's right. pick. That's right. Yes. Teaser. Week from today, quarterback breakdown. The the annual Ben and Matt quarterback draft breakdown. Sometimes we look like geniuses, and yes. sometimes we look like idiots. It's, it's only too bad we don't have, you know, all these years past, uh, you know, to actually go back and look at what we said because, yeah, only only through last year did we actually discuss this on recording. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I will cop to you saying I don't think Carson Wentz will do anything because he hasn't played against real competition. Yeah. That was, and, a, and that was I, a mistake. Of course, <laughs> have always owned the – I didn't think Matt Ryan was going to be any good. Um, thought Matt Ryan was overrated. Have have certainly had to eat that one for years and years because he's he's really good, you know. No arguing it. Um, borderline, you know, probably possible Hall of Famer depending on how his career finishes. But great quarterback, no question, you know. So I I missed on that one, yeah. So you know, but that's hey, like I don't feel a lot of shame because there are people who get paid millions of dollars that miss on these guys too. So it's it's a crapshoot, and you know we'll. We'll make our guesses, and then the next few years will tell us whether we were right or wrong. I will say this. I think I prepare the most for – not even think. I prepare the most for our football preview. I read stuff. I look at stuff. I, yes. I read recaps of teams we're going to play. 
I think you prepare for the quarterback one more than you prepare for finals in college. Well, and to an extent, I mean, you know, like I prepare year round because I, I live this shit. Like I, I love the quarterback stuff. Like, uh, you know, I've already, you know, got a mental list of guys to watch for next year's draft. So yeah, I mean, like it's, it's one that I don't, I don't necessarily have to like sit cram for because I've, you know, I've been, I've been preparing for this. Yeah. So, you're yeah, like Rudy. You're You've been right. ready for I, this your whole life. I have, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've been on, you know, the Josh Rosen train for four years since he was a senior in high school. I thought this guy's going to be really good. So, Which is weird because Jim Moore Jr. has <laughs> has gotten on and off that train. I think a half right, dozen times. Right, in that, right. In Another that. topic for our quarterback breakdown. This year is a particularly juicy class, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about. You know, there's. A lot of big names, uh, interesting stories with all those guys. Darnold of the of the five big names might be the least, uh, you know, newsworthy. Uh, you know, the others all have kind of a big thing, like you know, to talk about what you think of them. So we'll do that. That's next week. Now yes. you can stop listening here. This part that we're about to do is typically done after we record. Because it, right. it delves into nonsense uh, and it weaves around a lot. But we're going to keep recording just so you can hear it. We're going to talk yes. about the WWE and their ability to suck you in if yep. you were a fan as a kid. Mostly because they, these guys don't ever actually retire. Right, um, right, right. Now it's, uh, it's WrestleMania week. If you're not familiar with it, you should be. We're five days away from the greatest spectacle in all of sports entertainment and uh yeah this is as good a time as any to talk some pro wrestling now how we got here is i stopped watching when i don't know years ago after college i think i stopped altogether and then about a year ago a little over a year ago there was a pro wrestling pay-per-view that was coming to milwaukee and I hadn't been to yes. a live wrestling event since I was living in Tucson. So yep. at least middle school, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was coming and I texted you and I was like, you've been to a pay-per-view before. Is it worth going? Yep. And you said, yes. So yep. I decided – I bought the ticket when I saw it went on sale. And I started listening to the ESPN's wrestling podcast because it was funny and I wanted to know what was going on. And sure. it would condense everything into like 45 minutes. Yes. So – I started listening to it. And then after the pay-per-view, I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. And I kept listening to the podcast. And then the podcast made mention of the fact that Undertaker might be coming back for WrestleMania. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, ooh, I went online and watched last year to see yeah. the Undertaker's final match because right. Undertaker was like Shawn Michaels yes. and somehow also Triple H era. Even though An he icon is, of, of yeah. our era, yes, kids, yes, and so you know you keep watching because now they tell me he might be coming back, so I turn it on. Yeah, and yeah. you know what happened? He didn't come back. But then they no, promised there was promise that he might come back because they were taunting <laughs> him every right. week. John right. Cena was calling him out, saying horrible things, and then yeah. one week, for reasons that are never explained again, Kane comes out. And fights right. John Cena. Right. And and it's like, oh, maybe that's the prelude. 
Then the next week they mention Kane came out, and then they ignore it. Then it's like Kane yeah. never came out. Right. And then two more weeks of promos with nothing. So we get to Monday night, last night. National title game's on. I've got people, company here, so I'm not able to watch things. I tape it, and I tell you. What did I say, Matt? Yes. You said no spoilers. I said no spoilers because I was sure that The Undertaker was going to come. And, and I didn't want to sure know. As well. And I didn't so, want to yeah, know I, when I like it was it. or how the intro went. And I just I wanted to be surprised. Right. So this right. morning I got up. I watched the first hour on fast forward. Don't see John <laughs> Cena. Don't see the Undertaker. I, I you know it probably took me ten minutes of real lifetime to watch the first yeah. hour. Yeah. Um, you know Ronda Rousey's there. She gets thrown through a table. That's exciting. Right. Also, if right. you're a wrestling yeah. fan and you're listening to this, why didn't you tell Matt and I? Because you know right. us and you should have. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if we're spoiling this for you, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, to exactly. quote Demi Lovato. You should know. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So watch the whole thing. First hour, nothing. Okay, I go to work. I come home. I walk Archie at lunch. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch the next segment. So I just fast forward through the next segment. I see Finn Balor and Seth Rollins wrestle. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that was an exciting match with talented match. people. Yes. Um, yes. But not what I'm here to see. Right. This is not the straw that stirs the drink for me. Right. And 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 that's even with the Miz, who's a reality TV staple. That's right. So that's right. I feel right a rally. certain kinship to him because yes. I remember yes. him when the Miz was the annoying character that yes. wanted to be a wrestler when he was on the Real World, and right. then the Real World Road Rules Challenge before it became just the challenge on MTV. I know. I know. Good old days. So then I come home after work. I walk Archie. I save it. Like how you save uh-huh. like that last piece <laughs> of, of the steak. That's to, right. You savor it. Yeah. And, I, and I text you and I'm, and I'm alerting you to where I am by making comments about the wrestlers yes. who are on. Right. And, and you know at this point what's going through your head as you know that I'm about to be disappointed. Well, okay, so you texted me about Alexa Bliss, and I'm trying to remember because I watched the show last night kind of, you know, on fast forward during commercials of the title game. So you texted me about Cena had already done his segment. That's what I thought, yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, well, if you're at that, you've already seen the part with Cena where Undertaker doesn't come out, but you're still not saying anything, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And, like, you know, because, as I told you before we started recording, I thought about texting you this morning and saying – Look, you're going to be disappointed. Don't don't bother with you know wasting your time. But I thought I'm going to respect the decision. He said no spoilers. It's like if you say don't tell me the score of the game, you don't want someone to say ah your team lost. Like I, I didn't want you to tell me that. So I just thought I'm going to you know I'm going to hold true to what he asked, which is no spoilers. So I watched the Cena segment all the way through. Yeah, and so did I. I keep waiting for the lights yeah. to go out. For the lightning, for for the you know the death of March music, right. nothing, nothing. And I am thinking, oh, maybe Vince McMahon couldn't reach a deal with him, but that's not true. Vince McMahon has right. more money than God, sure. so he could pay the Undertaker enough to come back, even if he was in terrible sure. shape. And yes. by social media accounts, he appears to be in fine shape. Right. 
So then we get to the end. And it's Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are in the ring. And Paul Heyman says the name Undertaker like five times. And I thought that it was like saying Candyman in the dark. If you said it three (laughs) times, he was coming. He was going to appear. For those of you wondering, I have lights on, so I'm okay. Yes, yes. Um, He mentions him. He mentions him. He mentions him. Then, all of a sudden, I didn't even tell you this on text, my recording stopped because it got to the end. Oh, really? And there was no – Did you overrun? Yeah, I didn't. So I didn't Uh. think about it. And so then I scrambled to WWE.com to to what I assume will be – when he says there's no one on the roster or off of it, that that was gonna that Undertaker was gonna yeah. show up and he was gonna choke slam him, and then he was gonna say some Undertaker thing and do the eye roll, yeah. and there no. was nothing. Nothing. Yeah. 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 No, he didn't show up. Uh, it's a it's one of the more unusual builds toward a pay per view match that I've ever seen, in the sense that I think we're still pretty sure it's gonna happen. Uh, because as you said, you know, they, they wouldn't have advertised it in the way they did if it wasn't going to happen. Um, but they're still not saying it for sure. And it's very unusual. You, you know, you think that they would, you know, try to get people like you, for example, to buy WrestleMania thinking, well, Undertaker's going to be there. Um, but they still haven't said that for sure. So I guess they're not counting on that audience. It's an unsanctioned match because John Cena right. told me he's going as a fan. He's going as a fan, exactly. So, you know, how are they going to do this? WrestleMania is slated to go, apparently, with the kickoff show close to seven hours, which is, you know, obscene. Um, so are they going to really, you know, like, are they going to have Cena sit there for a long period of time? Uh, I'm assuming Lesnar and Reigns going to be the last match. They want Roman Reigns to have that conquering moment. So they're going to move everybody to the side by then. But, you know, are we looking at six hours before Undertaker comes out and that's the second to last match? I think it's possible. Well, and John Cena's just going to be sitting in the front row? I don't sure. know. I don't know. I, I don't quite get this. I mean, I, I the buildup I thought was kind of stupid, honestly. Uh, I, I just think it was um, – I mean, as we discussed last week, it, in some ways genius because it does get you to tune in every week like you did, you know, thinking this is going to be the week. Nope, this is going to be the week. Nope, this is going to be the week, you know. Um, so that's what that's where you started this conversation was this is how wrestling sucks you in. But at the same time, like, it didn't, it didn't deliver. Um, and now you've got, I mean, you've probably got people, as crazy as this sounds, there are people who, you know, will legitimately think, oh, the match is not happening which is, you know, dumb because, you know, it, it's going to happen. I'm 100% certain of it. But some people watch wrestling and actually believe this stuff, like, that they hear is true. Um, and so I don't quite understand the rationale behind doing it this way. I know that they are tropes of professional wrestling. Yeah. That, you know, there's no one on the roster who can stop me. Boom, lights <laughs> out. Exactly. He's not yes. on the roster and he's back. Because he's going right. to stop you. This, it, this is flying in the face of – they are playing on my expectations. And it's smart because I expected him to be there because that's what sure. you do. You, you, know, you, right. say, you call a guy out or you make a general statement first and then it gets answered. Right. You know, the, 
I, I did not care for in the John Cena segment the discussion about Michael Cole said, why don't you enter as Braun Strowman's huh. partner? Why don't you enter the Andre the Giant match? Yeah. Those are excellent questions. Those and, are great questions. Yeah, I mean, the Battle Royal is apparently open to anyone who, you know, wants to be part of it. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's a great question and one that, you know, it doesn't fit wrestling logic. Uh, you know, oh, I don't have a match at WrestleMania. This is terrible. I'll just enter a match. That's what everyone else does. Um, well, and you know, you're, so, the other thing is, you're the star, so right. just challenge someone else to a match. Yeah. I mean, again, and 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 you know, it, anybody who you know is still listening at this point, a that's amazing. B, I want to make it clear, you know, I I know this is all scripted and I get it, but it's one of those times where logic just doesn't doesn't really like it doesn't make any sense. You know, if he really wants a match at WrestleMania, there's hundreds of guys on the roster that he could say, "Hey, let's fight at WrestleMania." Okay, done. Move on. He's yeah. got a match. You know what would be probably a fun match? Him against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho yeah. doesn't have a match at WrestleMania no, as far as I'm no. aware. No, no, no. Apparently he's off touring with his band, I guess, which is which Oh, is yeah. Fozzie came to Milwaukee. I did not attend. Did nice, <laughs> nice, yeah. So I wish Jericho was on. I mean, he could fight anybody. He could fight Matt Hardy. He could fight Gold Dust. He could fight anyone. He wanted. Just say so. So, I mean, it is one of those that just doesn't make sense and his whole spiel about like, I'm not going to take a spot from a younger guy. Well, you know, by having a match between you, a part-timer and undertaker, not even a part-timer that takes a spot from a younger guy. That's a match that could have been on the main card otherwise. But you know, again, we'll suspend disbelief. Well, it's the idea of, I don't want to take a spot from someone who deserves it. Cause I've lost it five straight pay-per-views. Right. Mm, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit <laughs> right. Be on at all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If, yeah, if it is yeah. a meritocracy, uh-huh. if it was a real sport like boxing and you lost five right. consecutive title fights, right. you don't right. get a sixth title fight. You'd be out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you know, I, I get it. And again, I, I understand that what we're talking about is two separate things. We're talking about real world logic and then we're talking about wrestling. And they are unique and distinct things. But still, there's times where it bothers me the, the total lack of you know, effort towards realism. They because they try. That's the thing. They try to, you know, oh, John Cena is not going to take a spot from a younger guy, but he's going to take a spot on the show with Undertaker. Like, well, then you're taking a spot from a younger guy. Doesn't make yeah. sense. Don't you're actually say that taking line. two spots because the right, Undertaker is yeah. not a younger guy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, I mean, like, just don't say that line. And you know, I mean, you you try to make it real, but it's not real. Regardless, that's you know, hey, that's. I mean, that's if you want to, if you want to really be real about it, say, look, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is for washed up big guys and right. for the guy who we want to give a push, or right. if that guy who we want to give a push is friends with an NFL tight end. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of spots. There's plenty of guys in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal that you know haven't been on tv for probably six months but they want to give them their wrestlemania check so they created that so that everybody can be on the card essentially yeah or how about this challenge one of those guys right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah have a match with matt hardy he's got a nice fun gimmick he's crazy (laughs) do that he'll fight you you can fight at the hardy compound I just, I just like the way you deliver that line. He's got a nice, fun gimmick. Yeah, yeah. He's woken Matt Hardy. He talks funny. 
And he says weird things, and he has half-blonde hair. It works. Yeah. Look, let's not question it. Just, you know. Right, right. So, Let the boy wrestle you at WrestleMania. I, I know, I know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, to where we started this, uh, It's it can be maddening because they do stupid things, and, and, and you, you know, you tell yourself, why am I watching this? This is dumb. And yet, you end up watching it. And, and it's a it's a magical thing. And both of us have kind of gone through the same thing. Mine happened earlier. I didn't watch it for years. I was really into it in, you know, eighth grade, ninth, tenth grade. And then I kind of fell out of it, stopped watching it, probably went close to a decade without ever watching one of the shows. And then I got sucked back in, little by little, same way as you. You know, you watch one, and you want to watch another one, and then all of a sudden you're back in it and, and it's uh, yeah, it's a magical thing that they can pull off on people. Yeah. If you spend too much time thinking about it, it's real bad. Like, it is. like oh, yeah. why does it's, Roman it's Reigns have to, to load his arm like a gun to do Makes the no Superman sense. punch? Makes no sense at all. I, I know. I mean, how is it any different than any punch, but we're supposed to believe it is. I mean, it's the same as any, you know, guy does a, you know, DDT and it's a regular move, but then certain guys have basically a version of a DDT that's their finishing move, and that's going to knock you out for, you know, a good solid ten seconds. Um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it, you know, again, if you start thinking about logic when it comes to pro wrestling, you should probably stop watching pro wrestling. Yeah, well, there's the Stone Cold Stunner, which looks <laughs> an awful lot. Like the RKO. The RKO, yeah, just without the kick to the stomach. <laughs> or there's the <laughs> there's the super kick, uh-huh. sweet chin music, but it right. just looks an awful lot like when a guy gets kicked in the face. Right. Generally, and they get up. They get up immediately. But, but if you warm up the music, band, they're done. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's that's wrestling. You know, it's it's uh, it is like watching a soap opera. I mean, the storylines. The lack of logic, uh, the lack of storyline continuity. Sometimes, you know, it's it's no different than watching Young and the Restless. Huh. Well, you know, Kane is Undertaker's brother, but he's also That's burned right. in a fire. But he also yeah, doesn't Undertaker need to wear the mask. The house on fire, and so therefore he's a bad guy. But then they become the brothers of destruction when Undertaker's no longer a bad guy. Uh, Kane actually wasn't burned, and he didn't have a problem with his voice. It was all a ruse. Yeah. yeah. It turns out and that he, he didn't have long hair, but right. when he wear, when he wrestles wig. without the mask, he he doesn't. But when he wrestles <laughs> with the mask, he does. He has the hair. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's wrestling. You, you know, it, it's it's bizarre stories. It's things that don't make sense, and yet it's entertaining. You know, you, and and that's you know what it is. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you should know what it is. You know, there are people who take it seriously and. And it's kind of like almost pathetic, honestly. I mean, I, I went to WrestleMania here in 2010, 2011, whatever year it was here. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I sat by this this guy who was like, you know, yelling strategy at The Undertaker. And then this lady who was rooting for Shawn Michaels. And they were going back and forth. I'm like, do you guys realize that the, the ending is scripted, right? Like, I mean, Undertaker's going to win. We know this. Uh, and if he doesn't, it's because they scripted him to lose. It's not because he you know, had a bad strategy. This is not like a baseball game. It's not like he was bested. 
by right, exactly yeah yeah i mean they've determined the winner now people you know go the opposite extreme oh it's all fake no it's not all fake i mean there's there's athleticism that goes along to it there are real injuries and real wear and tear on the body that you know is certainly shown in the way these guys get in terrible health and so many of them die young um, so it's not fake in that sense, but it is scripted. Uh, you know, it's it's television entertainment. It's not akin to watching football. It's akin to watching, um, you know, a drama that's on TV every week. It's you know, more. It's on, not like watching football. It's like watching um, Playmakers on ESPN. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 no different than than that. It's no different than turning on and watching, uh, you know, The Sopranos. You don't know what's going to happen, but the writers do. You know, you can you can say you you know like it's it's been determined. They know what's going to happen. And so as long as you know that, like it's I think it's a fine. But some people don't don't grasp that difference. I don't think. Yeah, and that's sad. Yeah, yeah, you know, and but then there are the people who are like, well, wrestling's fake. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know it's fake in the sense that it's scripted. But how many of those people watch shows on TV? Because if you do, you're you're watching the same type of thing. You're watching something that you don't know the result, but some people do, and and it's going to lead you to a place that you you know that they want to lead you. That's why I watch reality television and sports, right? Because it's totally not scripted at all. I think it's weird that we don't talk about how there's a an actual position in the closing credits of reality TV shows for writer. I know. <laughs> how about that? Yeah, yeah. I know because I I thought it was just totally real. I mean, I think that it's realish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah, which is what wrestling is. You know, I mean it's it's realish. Guys get injured. Guys, you know, they they uh they take a lot of bumps and bruises and they have severe injuries and things like that, but you know, it, is the outcome determined? Yeah, it's determined. Uh do we know that Roman Reigns is beating Brock Lesnar? Yes. Uh you know, we don't know how, but he's going to win. Yeah, like I said, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I guess I can't say it with 100% certainty, but 99.9. You are not uncertain. No, no. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all set up. It's been set up for a year since they put the belt on Lesnar last year that Reigns would be the guy to beat him and get his conquering moment, and it's it's going to happen. And you think it's all that simple? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Know, so yes, I do. That's why, like, if you had told me honestly, if I had been watching it with you in real time, and if you had said, "Oh, I bet Undertaker's going to come out during this Lesnar segment," no, they were not stepping on Reigns' moment. That that was all about Reigns and Lesnar, and that's it. That like, once once Cena left, I pretty much gave up hope that Undertaker was going to be on that show. Oh, I had hope misplaced misguided hope yeah 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 i mean i suppose he could still be on smackdown tonight so you know he's technically a free agent he can appear on any show he wants i'm not even recording it so probably i'll let you know if he's on uh, I'll, i'm gonna watch later i'm gonna be very disappointed if that's what i happens. doubt it i doubt it so, you know i'm i'm assuming they're gonna go with the surprise return and i put surprise in quotes at wrestlemania i will be surprised yeah, yeah. Um, next week, we've got quarterback preview. Yes. And then we've got the rest of spring football. I yep, guess. yep. Next week will be the final week. Spring game next Friday night. 
which in the old regime mattered because it was the only time you could see the team now. Yeah. Now it's not. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still still planning to go actually see, you know, some some competitive I don't know if they'll actually play a game, but uh, you know, some scorekeeping or something like that. So it'll it'll be interesting and the last time we get to see them in any capacity until at least August and I don't I'm assuming they're not going to have a whole bunch of practices open in the fall. I would I would think uh, you know, they'll limit that a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe Herm's going to open up everything. Just let the public come and go as they please. He's a man of the people. He is. He is. Yeah. So, we'll see. I'm surprised he opened spring practices completely, but these are spring practices. I can't imagine when we get to the fall. Tonazona will be open because it has to be. But I would think the others will be uh, limited or closed altogether. Well, we'll be here to talk about that and some other stuff. That's right. But mostly, it's the quarterback preview episode. That's right. Big week next week. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. If you made it this far, please tweet at us, text us something. (laughs) Just let us know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because you sat through a lot. This is you sat through the wrap up part of the conversation (laughs) is what you did. That's right. Yes. Yes. We should should give away some sort of prize. Like say some say a magic word at the end of one of these podcasts. Then you know if somebody gives us that magic word, they get like you know a gift card or something like that. Yeah, but then we have to finance a gift card. Exactly. We don't have sponsors. Yeah, yeah. First, I, I we have to find a sponsor. I, all right, it's look. Sort of a half-hearted idea, but all right. you know, I'm, I'm thinking. The word is pumpernickel. <laughs> the word is pumpernickel. So, if yeah. you tweet pumpernickel to the Ben and Matt yeah. pod Twitter handle, and then we come up with a sponsor, you will get yeah. the first gift card we get from that That's sponsor. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Maybe we'll. Uh, Maybe we'll send you like a five dollar gift card to the Chuck Box. Yeah, and if you don't oh. live in Tempe, you're out of luck. Or oh, hold on. Next time we're both in Tempe, if you're there, you can That's join right. us at the Chuck That's Box right. or Chompies. We'll buy you a lunch at the Chuck Box. Yes. Yeah. Wherever we go, That's wherever we go, because we're picking. That's right. That's right. Yes. Dave's doghouse is on the table. There's there are things on the table. Yep. But yep. if you're There's there. Options. Maybe next time we'll go to Dave's Doghouse and they'll have the full menu up. That'd be something. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I, I don't know. That might be too much to ask, but it's possible. These are questions. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. Pumpernickel.